0: Fascinating gadgets, gizmos, and gear-based technologies. Welcome to BT. This is the show that takes your favorite fictional science and technology, and we make it a reality. We are The Brain Trust. I am the analytical mastermind, Daniel J. Glenn. With me, the physics phenom, Dr. Michael Dennon. Well, great to be here, Dan. I'm I'm very proud of you. You've continued your
1: record of picking movies with only two characters, maybe a small part for a third one that I
0: find fascinating and I just love. So keep it up. Well, I appreciate that, Dan. I mean, you know I'm a master of film and television, and I got to tell you, nothing says great movie, uh, innovative filmmaking techniques than a small cast and a limited, uh, a limited environment, a limited limited setting. In television, they call that a bottle episode, and some of the best work is done in those types of environments, and this one definitely fits the bill. I appreciate you noticing that, Denon. You have a keen eye there. Uh, but we can't do this without our enigmatic engineer, Ben Siepser, Who, I, uh, Ben, uh, are you with us today? And I believe you're also living in a bottle episode, from what I understand, since quarantine started.
2: That's exactly right. But, you know, I've gotten out a little bit today, Dan. I'm at this beautiful home. Up in the Ojai area, and, you know, everything seems pretty normal, but, you know, it's kind of hard to leave, I think. (laughs) Well, you know, give it a shot, and if you have any trouble, give me a
0: call. I think I got an answer for you. Uh, Today we are going to talk about this movie that you so beautifully foreshadowed, Denon. It's called The One I Love. Now this is an old one it's from 2014, but I I, like you, Denon. I was captivated by this and and I thought we just had to do this because it is so unique and they don't even answer any questions, which how great is that for us? We get to come, we get to speculate uh, and not really have any sort of answers except the ones that we come up with. So I love that stuff. Uh, So Denon, I'm gonna go to you first. When you saw this, what were your first impressions as a whole, for this movie?
1: As a whole, I I really enjoyed it. It's exactly the kind of creepiness that I like. Very psychological, very little blood. In fact, I think I can safely say no blood, so that's good. Um, It's true. And and just, you know, enough of a twist at the end. I I think I saw it coming, but I was still pleasantly surprised. Um, And the other cool thing was you've got... Four characters played by two people, um, each playing very different characters that they play, even though they're the same person. A sentence I thought I'd never say. Um, and I loved how well the actor and a- actress did in this. And, and your background, I think, is conveying that duality just so well right now.
0: Yeah, <laughs> it does. I like this background. I think I creeped out Ben a little bit. Uh, no, that's exactly right. I'm going to give a quick little summary, but then I got something for you, Ben. You know, as you mentioned, then, this is a show about a couple who go. they go to therapy, uh, to kind of resolve, they have a marital problem that they're kind of trying to resolve. You know, classical a classical introduction to any type of show like that, any couple show. But it quickly, at the behest of their therapist, things go quickly awry when they go to a retreat where they seem to encounter alternate versions of themselves. Uh, you know, I like this because I just realized that Mark Duplass, Duplass, Duplass? I, I, it's, I think he's French. I'm going to say Mark Duplass. Uh, he's, you know, he's in some pretty cool movies. And he's in a great show called The League. Ben, I know you've been following his career ever since you were entered into the EBDB and b (laughs) That's exactly right.
2: But, you know, I'm a huge fan of the Duplass Brothers. I I love their uh, kind of freaky freaky movies like this. They also did uh, Safety Not Guaranteed. And I think they do just a great job of asking these really simple tech questions in these beautiful kind of indie movies. Yeah,
0: the, uh, the safety not guaranteed. That's another one. Uh, that's something that I really loved. Now, I do want to mention at the beginning. The thing I picked up was that Russian doll analogy, which I really like throughout this movie. Hopefully, we'll get back to that. But let's get to the technology. Let's get into the meat of this. And there's really two sections here. The first part is the guest house, and then these alternate people. But let's talk about this guest house first. So when they arrive on site, uh, they they you know they wander around and they. they you know, walking to some of the places, and they quickly discover that there's this house that if they walk into it, they will encounter an alternate version of their partner. So we're to make things less confusing, Sophie and Ethan are the characters. Sophie A and Ethan A are the ones who arrive, and Sophie B and Ethan B are the ones they encounter. So we're going to talk about it like that because I think there's some weird stuff going on here. When you walk into the house, you see your partner, so Ethan A encounters Sophie B. Uh, I don't know if we've gotten too confused, confusing already, but I, I love this part. What did you think about this then, and wh- what's going on here? Well, I think there's a couple of questions
1: going on because there seems to be this feature that you only meet your alternate self if you're there alone, that the two can go in together and they just see a normal house. And it's not just your alternate self. The stuff changes dramatically. So if you Mm -hmm. were doing something um, with your alternate partner, you leave, you come back with your regular partner everything's different. Or if your regular partner goes in, they will see everything different. And and this dynamic of the house insides changing is a key feature we need to explain. We also hear from the characters, particularly Sophie B later on explains that they were originally trapped in the house and can only get out when certain criteria were met. So there's the interior changing into the house and the trapping capacity of the house that is really interesting to, you know, is it mundane or is it high tech? I think you can go either way with this. Hence, it's perfect for our show, which is gear-based technology, but we also do gadgets and so it might be analog or high-tech. I'm just throwing that in there for the audience, Dan. Um, ben, I'm sure you prefer the high-tech version, but maybe not. Maybe you're simplified in this case.
2: Well, in this case, I, I, I tend to go more to the simple explanations. You know, we don't see anything in this movie that's especially... That couldn't be explained by very simple technology. One example such is the doors lock when... Uh, one party or the other is in the house, so that the other party cannot enter. Now, this could be some magical stuff, but it could also just be magnetic locks that are controlled by some overseer of this, you know, relationship experiment that's going on in this movie. And for stuff like this, I I, I kind of tend to the simpler explanation of, you know, this is just a very smart house in the in the tech sense, you know, they they've where they just have electronic locks and someone's you know, controlling it. <laughs>
0: well, th- well, I want to why don't I mention something really quickly here because there are. There's one thing I want to mention before you pop in here, Dennis I think you're going to have an answer for this, but this feels to me like it has a very Zombardo prison experiment feel to it. You know, th- there seems to be so. It, it, it's almost like someone is engineering this this um, environment and this experience. But one of the things we have to mention here is not only are the doors locking, but Ethan A can see through the window and see what's going on, so he can see. Um, Sophie A with Ethan B sitting on the stairs and when he tries to throw a chair through the window It doesn't break now. I'm sure you can explain that away with bulletproof glass or something like that But it's almost as if the house closes up, but you can still see into it Which I think raises a very interesting environmental question. What do you think Dennon?
1: Oh, I, I think that is an interesting question And it goes a little bit to where I was going with this um, if, if you're precise um, Ethan B the first time um, purposely shuts all the shades and windows and curtains. Oh, right. Um, yeah. So he right. cl- so clearly Ethan B and Sophie B understand how the house work and the rules because they he doesn't want at that point um Ethan A looking in. And clearly there's a psychology game going on. So the the B characters, the ones who appear in the house, are somehow in the know. So that's clearly part of it. And I'm kind of with Ben. I I I think this is a core sort of low low-tech magnetic lock situation with another layer, though, of slightly more high-tech stuff. Um, My only trouble with the overseer is the only real person around is the therapist, Ted Danson. And I don't think he would hire any additional help. And he can't stay awake 24-7 and the house functions all the time. So I think there's a little bit of, you know... Some automation into the process, like some detection and feedback loops, but nothing particularly serious. Not, not at all the level of AI you might need in the Resident Evil facility. Um, if people have watched our earlier episode, which I know they have, right? <laughs> so I'm just throwing that out there.
2: <laughs> yeah, well, I think there's, there's, there, there. I, th- I certainly think there's a chance that Mr. Danson, the therapist, is supervising. But I also think you raised a great point, saying how. Uh, Ethan B. and Sophie B. seem to know how it works. So that makes me inclined to believe they are also in control. Like they might just have a clicker in their pocket Hmm. that lets them, you know, put up the force fields or whatever that, uh, I mean, obviously the doors could just be locked with a magnetic lock. But you raise a good point that he can't break the window with the chair. Even bulletproof glass would crack it with something like that. So there's got to be something a little more going on. Uh, protecting the house than just some magnetic locks. Well, and I think so. I think, you know,
0: I'm Mr. Occam's razor. You guys know that. Simplest explanation. I think we got to go for that. However, I think there are some very odd things going on here that make this uh, a little more, uh, the explanation, I believe, is a little more exotic than, than we give it credit for. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say one word, guys, and Dennett, I know you know where I'm going with this, and that's bacon. Right? So there's a scene where, you know, Sophie A doesn't like bacon, Ethan A goes in to the house, meets Sophie B, and Sophie B makes him bacon, and then I think a couple minutes later, Sophie A comes in and the bacon is smell is gone from the house. Now, anyone who's had bacon knows if you like bacon, that's a pretty delicious smell. And B, if you don't like bacon, that smell doesn't leave the house very quickly. So there seems to be some other thing here that, that I think goes beyond some high-powered vent sucking all the bacon smell out of the house. Uh, I don't want to say this is an alternate timeline or that this exists somewhere outside of space and time. I don't know if I'm ready to go there yet. Maybe I will later. But Dennon, I know you're a bacon guy. I'm going to start with you. What do you think about this? Well, I'm just really confused, Dan, because I
1: don't know how Sophie
0: couldn't like bacon.
1: I'm sort of stuck at that point, <laughs> <laughs> making it, making it real it. hard to go past it. You know, he, I've he alp- shut the movie I, off at that point, right? I, I've <laughs> often wondered, you know, I, I've, people know I regularly run Stump a Professor, and I realize no one has raised the question, how could someone <laughs> not like bacon? So, you know, clearly, I finally have discovered my weakness. It's sort of the equivalent of kryptonite. But if, if we accept that there are human beings who don't like bacon, um, and sadly I live with one, um, it, it's a daughter, which I also don't understand, um, <laughs> you know, the, the, you're, you're exactly right. I think that is like the subtly most weird part of it. So you've got some other things that are similar. You know, there's a point where Ethan A. comes rushing in and Sophie A. is real paranoid that he's going to find Ethan B. in the bedroom, Right and and ethan b is gone okay you know straightening up a bedroom and disappearing challenging but you know magicians do all sorts of stuff very quickly that mystify Mm -hmm. me and i know are not magic or high tech right (laughs) Right. but they very rarely get rid of bacon smell so i i really you know the high high speed vent thing i'm with you that just doesn't seem like it would work in this case it's too quick um Again, referring to earlier um, episodes, um, we did Vivarium and and there seems to be some interesting stuff in that show about how houses are connected and different and multidimensional. I do think of, you know, rotating houses um, that show up in certain movies or places. Um, again, I don't know how you wouldn't see that. And there's a sort of a a geometry feature of like rotating the entire house. So it's a new one. Like David Copperfield
0: making the Statue of Liberty disappear. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) You know,
1: so, um, I, there's, I I think the rotating house, or we're going to start talking about, um, pocket dimensions. I think I'm, 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 those are my choices, Ben. I don't know where you're falling in this space with the bacon smell.
2: So there's two issues. One, you got to get rid of the cooking smell. Uh, And this can actually be done with just good venting. Uh, You don't need, you just need a good uh, hood over your stove that's on kind of the whole time you're cooking. And as long as you're not splashing the grease around, you can pretty much keep that, get rid of that smell. Um, I've been in kitchens and certainly commercial kitchens really don't have that problem of bacon smell lingering that long um, if they're well ventilated. Uh, So the real question is, did... Ethan A. smelled the bacon when he was coming down. Was that bacon smell all throughout the house, or was he kind of just smelling it on the plate um, as he got there? If he was just kind of smelling it from the plate of bacon, then I think if you hide that plate, uh, you know, given a minute or two for Sophie A. to come back with him, uh, I think you could actually get rid of that smell and not need an alternate space-time house (laughs) to uh, explain this one
0: i don't know denn it sounds like someone doesn't quite understand bacon i I don't (laughs) that's what i'm hearing (laughs) you know
1: what though that may be true but it made me intrigued you know we talk a lot about the different senses in our show and 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 everyone's aware of optical illusions it makes me wonder how you could create an olfactory illusion i believe that's the right Mm, word i I think i got it
0: right yeah olfactory that's right
1: where you, you have this smell that's not a real smell, you know, and so real bacon smell is all about the chemicals and the molecules, but imagine possibly hypnotism, possibly other um, sort of diversions make him believe he smells bacon the first time. Those are removed when he comes back in with Sophie, a, and in his head, the smell of bacon is gone, but it was never there. I also like Ben's simple explanation that they just have a really, really good kitchen, but... Um, You still have the piece of bacon out on the plate, and I think that's an olfactory illusion. I'm going with that, and I'm sticking by it.
0: It's not a bad idea. I mean, I think there's something to this. There's something inexplicable about what's going on here. I don't know quite that the simple explanations can get all the nuances, but they definitely cover a lot of the bases. But I think probably one of the most exotic things about the house and the property, which we at least have to talk about, is this strange force field that surrounds the property that some people seem to be able to go through and other people don't seem to go through. Uh, I think that there's some kind of strange engineering going on here. Ben, what do you think about that?
2: Yeah, absolutely. This is by far the most inexplicable Thing that goes on uh so there's from what what we're told by Sophie B there's some sort of system that keeps the uh the original B couple trapped in this home and overall the goal is for them to escape and for Sophie A and Ethan A to get trapped there so that I guess they can work on their marriage while they're trapped there or something that part's not exactly clear Uh, (laughs) it's not
0: hundred percent clear from a, from a narrative perspective. I will grant you, that. but, uh,
2: what's really interesting about that is there is clearly this barrier that Ethan B bounces off of. So he's not able to leave the property, or at least he's acting like he can't leave the property. We certainly see the barrier like vibrating and attacking. So it seems like there's some sort of object there, you know, and it ripples more like a liquid or, uh, or fabric or something. It doesn't seem like it's a solid sheet of plastic or a window that you just like wily e. coyote against. Uh, <laughs> Dan, are are there any? <laughs> right. it's kind of n- n- are there any kinds of force fields that would like have that kind of effect visible in the air? Well, you know, it's interesting. I, I,
1: I want to kind of go all in on my hypnotism idea, and I'm trying to figure out how. That's what that's my main motivation here, because um, <laughs> I've just i never been able to commit to hypnotism, and I love it. Um, and, and so part of me goes, oh, that was just a film effect for those of us in the audience to understand what Ethan B. experienced. Um, but I, I think let's take it at face value that there is that ripple. Um, and I'm just going to go with my standard that, that there's a foam-based structure going on, um, because... You know, when you talk about that rippling fluid-like behavior, um, what foam is best at is being solid-like and liquid-like depending on the situation and how you need it. So it can be solid enough that it stops him and then ripples um, and vibrates, as you described in, the, in this liquid-like way, that the, the vibrations in it of the right frequency would be more liquid-like. It does make me wonder, you know, we think of force fields in the science fiction sense. You know, the, the most obvious connection is usually something electromagnetic, Um, Mm -hmm. or, or, you know, something from that type of perspective. Um, And I wasn't really thinking about this until you mentioned it, Ben, but if we go with the tendons and therapist as sort of a master controller of the environment, um, there is no reason that this can't be a roughly transparent foam shield that is lowered at the right time, and he's just choosing when to lower and raise it um, to control um, what happens. And so, you know, unless the right people are leaving – Um, The the gate that looks like it's a straightforward gate has added protection and defenses, which could explain, Dan, the chair effect, right? A similar transparent thing is lowered in front of the windows at the right time and raised. Mm -hmm. And being fundamentally transparent, you don't see it. So force field in this case then becomes
0: a physical barrier um, in, in a more traditional sense. Well, now what about like biomarkers, right? So, you know, we've got this force field, but we also have four different, you know, we can assume four different biological entities, two of them known humans. Um, But is there any, you know, when it comes to Ethan B. getting stopped by this force field, is it possible that in this grand experiment that uh, Ted Danson, the overseer, the therapist, um, experiment, mad scientist, is it possible that he, uh, based on what happens, he's allowing certain biological signatures to go through this? I mean, is that something that's possible, Denon?
1: You know, it, I, I think there's some interesting ways where it could be possible. Um, wow, this episode I'm really re- able to refer to a lot of past work. You know, when we think about the biodetectors used by the Mandalorian to track people. I uh-huh. mean, there's a lot of history people need to go back and watch if they haven't caught up. Um, And but you know so you can you definitely can imagine a direction we're going is using molecular structure as a fundamental electronic electromagnetic signal and and this would be a way for Ted uh, Ted the therapist let's call him that because I don't think he has a name in the movie um, to um, sort of automate the process Um, given the low numbers of people involved I am going back to the gear based piece of our name. And I'm going with Ben, and I think this is low-tech enough that he's just watching and and pushing a button to turn the shield on or off. Um, but I do like where you're going, Dan. I think in a more complex situation, he could automate this if he had to with, with sort of advanced enough electrochemical techniques. I don't know, Ben, you're, you're the bioelectricity interface expert in the group. Um, how off base am I? <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, so it raises a question of potentially how real or not real are... Our- Sophie B and Ethan B because it's certainly if they're if they're high quality replicas or if they're human then some sort of biological marker is going to be a lot tougher but if there's something else then it it could be potentially a lot easier um, to raise this barrier it could also be something like you know an invisible fence with the dog where you know there's something inside of these uh, duplicates that was put there when they were turned into the duplicates that makes it so that they just have a, you know, radio signal being emitted from them that uh, that triggers this barrier going up when they get too close to the exit. Uh, it could be really simple like that, right, Dan?
0: I think that's exactly right. I mean I think I think there is something weird going on here and I think you raise an interesting point which is a great segue is what are who are what uh, Ethan Ethan B and Sophie B what's going on there? Are they doppelgangers? are they biological? are they robots? I think that that's a really interesting question, and I think we kind of have to tackle that first before we can even answer any of the other stuff. I think it'll all kind of fall into place, but they have some very strange properties. They appear to be somehow trapped in the house, or they believe that they're trapped in the house. They become less trapped as the movie moves on. Uh, there's some kind of weird, you know, Ben and I, you know, you, you, <laughs> this loose narrative structure on who replaces who. So I'm not 100% sure what's going on here, but I, so that's my first question. Uh, and the second question is their personalities also seem to come from some other place because they're not, from a personality standpoint, identical to Ethan A. and Sophie A. So I think we have to start there. You know, and I'm curious, what are your theories on on, on how those two are kind of combined? Well, I do think, you know, to your fundamental question,
1: Dan, I personally think they're human and they're biological um, just by the way they act and and, okay. and what's happening in the movie. Um, and we can go into more detail. Obviously, there's lots of other interesting possibilities. There's the robot idea and other things. And the, the, But I'm with you that the interesting question is, what is driving their personality? All right? Because um, they appear to obviously be attempting to be idealized versions mm-hmm. of Sophie A and, and Ethan A, but idealized from whose perspective. And they clearly function very differently. Mm-hmm. Ethan B really successfully executes being everything that Sophie A wants Ethan to be. Um, right. And hopefully I didn't, you know, speak too quickly. I, I said to be, not Ethan B. Anyway.
0: Um, <laughs> All right, Shakespeare. I, we got you. We got right. you. Yeah, so, yeah.
1: so there's clearly, you know, he is playing a, a role that makes Sophie A very happy. And obviously mm-hmm. in that fashion, Sophie B is either very bad at this or taking a different approach. Um, mm-hmm. Because Ethan A is finding the whole thing completely disturbing. Um, and, you know, not to harp on bacon. The bacon is, you know, clearly an interesting thing. That would suggest it's an idealized version of what Ethan wants because mm-hmm. it's not an idealized Sophie, though maybe we could argue in some, you know, bacon <laughs> world it is. Um, right. Right. So it gets really <laughs> tricky. And so I'm, I'm really curious, Ben. You know, are you on the biology side, and, and and at the same time, where do you see their motivation coming from? We can get actors speaking here. What are they motivated? Well, I think by? the
2: biological <laughs> makes more sense, and and I think it. You know, who knows? Maybe the only thing Ethan really doesn't like about Sophie is that she doesn't like bacon. You know, maybe everything else was okay. Right. Um, <laughs> right. But yeah. Yeah. Certainly, from an idealization perspective, I think you know Sophie B clearly is kind of more cynical and skeptical like Ethan A is whereas uh Sophie A and Ethan B are more you know carefree and fun people uh so I think that aspect of it you know makes more sense that they've kind of imprinted their own personalities onto their partner onto you know what they've seen what they would like in themselves, they've kind of has kind of been imprinted on the alternate version of their partner for them. Now, where that comes from is really tricky. It seems to me like they're kind of humans that have been coached into this role. Um, but I really, what I really wonder is, is that was their goal to swap, or was their goal to? Was their goal to do a full swap where like the partner, you know, the alternates leave and the real ones get stuck? Or was the goal the whole time for them to do a partner swap? Uh, Dan, which side do you come down on there?
0: I think that that's an interesting question because you know I don't want I don't Denon can't be the only one doing shameless plugs here. Uh, this seems it, it almost smells a lot like our Invasion of the Body Snatchers episode, right? Like, what is the purpose of swapping bodies? You know, I think that you raise an interesting question there, Ben, because um, I don't know what the purpose is, but also you know I think you, the the idea you formulated here is how, where do their personalities come from? Is it either a who they the who the prime people want their personality to be that the, that the house kind of creates or is it the version that their partner wants them to be and i think that that's a really fundamental question because it's it looks into the deeper you know the deeper moments here of what do people want what does this couple want you know how how can these two? If we're looking at it from a therapist standpoint, right? And I, I'm not I'm going to take the malicious aspect out because I think I think Ted Danson, the therapist might be I think he might be a little more mad scientist here. But let's say he's actually trying to help them. Well, what would what would you need to see in someone else to realize that you still loved your partner? Or if their job is to swap them out, what personality traits do you need to replicate in order to steal them away from their partner? Because that also seems to be what their motivation is. There's a lot going on here, and I feel like in some ways I made this more convoluted and confusing. What do you think, Denon?
1: Well, Dan, I think there's a piece before we go to motivation that helps with this, right? And and if we recall, um, Ethan A discovers that Ethan B is calling past friends and getting information. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. we also discover the the mysterious tape where they're practicing their voices and they're being trained by Ted Danson. So um, whoever they are, I, this is why I believe they're human, but they're also being trained. And I think you said it well. They're being trained by Ted Danson, the mad scientist. He gives them as much information as he can, and then they are going from there. So if I want to go with what I think is happening here, I think these are people who were a past couple Ted sent there. They were the, the most recent couple, and they failed the test, and they got trapped. And then Ted does something to change them physically, and their goal is to become a better couple, so much better that they trap Ethan A and Sophie A and they leave. That's the normal plan. And to do that, right, she even made the comment, Sophie B made the comment, their job was to break them up. So they're the idealized version that the alternate partners want. So Sophie B is Ethan A's ideal and vice versa. That's what I pieced together from what Ted Danson did, what they said. And then I think I'm going to believe Sophie B at face value for no good reason because she's kind of creepy. <laughs> um, that it's all going wrong and and Ethan B is ruining her chance of getting out because they're supposed to leave together. Um, I, I also – part of me is like, wow, she's she's the real mastermind in all of this and she creates the swap she needs. But, you know, I'm going to give her a little credit. That That's where I'm leaning um, – I hope that wasn't even more convoluted than what you said. I don't know, Ben, what do
0: you think about that? Well, before you pop in here, Ben, hold on. I want to clear one thing up because I think this will help you answer your question. You kind of waved your hand magically, Denon, and said, "I, you know, this is the previous couple and he makes them look like, you know, the current couple. That takes a lot of work because there were many different races and many different sizes of people that when they flash through in different ages. So if you were to take someone who is a completely different race and a different age and just wave your hand, I, there's something much more um, oh, yeah, significant going on That's our
1: bioengineering there. episode, Dan. <laughs> okay, all right, all right.
0: I just want to um, make you aware that, that there's something going on there. Before Ben oh, yeah, answers, yeah. No. That, that's a major question.
1: That is a major question, but um, I think that's a really cool technology and we could do a whole other episode on it. I'm just throwing <laughs> it out there. All
2: right. All right. Anyway, sorry, Sorry, Ben. Go well, on. Please continue. So, so I, I want to go, you know, I don't think either of the alternate Sophie or Ethan, the Sophie, Sophie B or the Ethan B, or Sophie B or Ethan B are reliable narrators, right? They're clearly here okay. on some sort of a mission. So trusting what they're saying about the situation to me seems like a, not a great idea. So part of me is thinking that this is more, you know, these are these are clones or some sort of other being uh you know, still human but just, you know, grown somehow that Ted Danson creates so that each partner can get, you know, the idealized person, person of what they want. I I almost think that each time this happens one couple goes goes comes out and lives the life that that couple was always living that had been living uh, previously, and then th- the couple that we think is trapped, I almost think they've actually been let go, and you know maybe they moved to you know some tropical island. Um, and live a, a new life, and we just don't know about them again. And that's how we solve this problem of there being two couples at the end of the movie.
1: Ah, so it's kind of like a combination of the witness protection program exactly. and couples therapy. I don't know. You've intrigued me, Ben. Um, it, it's not clear which is the better outcome, then. Do you want to be the um, remote island couple or the live-your-life
2: yeah. life couple? <laughs> exactly.
0: Uh, that's a question. I want to know which one do you want to be, Ben?
2: You know, I think, boy, you know... It'd be really freaky to, you know, go into couples therapy and and get a new partner and then have your life torn away from you um, as well. But at the same time, if you're in this witness, cu- if you're in this couple's protection program, you know, hopefully you're being cared for. Um, and so, you know, maybe it's nice. You Maybe you get to like live a nice life of luxury on this remote tropical island with all the other happy couples. That had to leave society, uh, you know, that could be fun, too. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think I'm going to take this on a whole different approach, guys. All
0: right. So this my here's my conclusion. Here's what I think is going on here. Uh, again, I'm gonna reference a previous episode. Look at our inception episode because I think that this is actually a grand experiment. And I think you flirted with something a little bit here, Denon, when you talked about hypnotism. But I think that these that Sophie A and, and Ethan A are under some kind of strange therapy and their, their brains are connected and they have this shared experience. But I do not believe that this retreat exists in real life. I believe this is a psychological construct because what's happening is they are they they are the people that they are currently, but in their brains they're also the people that they were before. And I think the goal of this is only one psyche can leave this complex and 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 then enter their real bodies when they wake up from this experiment, because there's these are so- psychologically very different people, and because they are connected, I think they can in some ways influence the type of person that each one can be. You know. I, I think that the trapped house, that is the psyche that these others, that, that, that's where they're, they're trapped in. These previous psychological uh, entities, the, you know, the, the other versions of themselves are trapped in that house. And I think you know, there's, a, there's a, a moment where uh, Sophie A is talking to Ethan B and she says, you're, I, I feel so attached to you, you feel like a memory, but you're right in front of me. Well, under this conclusion, he is really like a memory, but right in front of her. Uh, and, and I think the two c- the, the pair that makes the strongest connection is allowed to then exit this experiment and enter into the bodies and live the normal life and be that picture that we see the other couples in the beginning. Uh, you know Sophie falls in love with the version that is very sim- very much like Ethan before his uh, indiscretion, let's say, right? And I think that that's extraordinarily important um, because you know, once, once you are, once you've chosen, and once you make your decision, and once the, they become psychologically compatible, then they can leave the house. And I think that that's where the force field comes in. Uh, I don't know if this is too much Freud psycho babble, but this is kind of where my mind was going with this. What did you think about this, Ben, as our as our psychological uh, adjacent expert?
2: You know, Dan, you, you make a very compelling. System here that it's all in their heads, and you know maybe they're just hooked up to you know some brain interfaces in the in the uh, therapist's office the whole time, and you know it's kind of more of a psychotic break that they're having here to get back yeah. to being happy. Mm-hmm. You know it, it solves a lot of problems. It takes care of the weird magic. It takes care of you know a lot of these issues that we see throughout the movie. Um, without having this messy problem of two two clones that you gotta clean up at the end <laughs> <laughs> it, it, is, it does it
1: does very much save the clone problem it, it achieves my goal of going all in on the hypnotism issue because sure. it's basically hypnotism yeah, yeah. Um, I would claim therefore the playing of the piano notes is the hypnotic moment oh yeah, um, yeah yeah I would connect that and I would claim here's an interesting twist Dan I'm gonna throw in all right. Like Inception, right? The movie Inception, for those who haven't seen it, a spoiler alert, you know, cover your ears, tries to create a feeling that you don't really know if they've made reality yet or not, right? Mm-hmm. I would claim, because of the final scene in this movie, they go to the empty therapist house and so on, that that's not actually the psyche that escapes to reality. Um, that those mm. are the psyches that are still living in a dream because. Hold hold with me here. Ethan gets his bacon back. And I think that only happens in a dream world. <laughs> gets his ba- you know. That's a good as a compelling argument. I mean, so I think I think I think you're completely right, Dan, and what we see is the dream trapped couple at the end. Mm.
0: Well, that makes sense because Ethan B and Sophie A seem to be the more happy couple. The other two are kind of thrown together and in some ways through a weird, uh, you know, glitch in the system through a loophole, they get to escape. You know, there's a lot of weird feelings that go on that make Ethan B's um, his escape, impossible, but also then that traps Sophie A in that same world. So I think there's a lot of weird stuff going on here, but that does solve it. And if I can go back to my Russian doll analogy, in some ways, then that, it, that encapsulates the entire film. You know, we are the, the figure on the outside, but we're also all the dolls on the inside. So which one do you want to play with? Uh, I might be extending that metaphor a little too much. I might be stretching and possibly breaking that metaphor. But I think we've, we've kind of come to a conclusion well, here. Oh, yeah. Well, oh, so- So if, if
2: well, I think, I think you actually got it though. If, if they're the ones that leave the house, they're the ones that have left the brain and are, and are, and are not in the bodies. And it's, and it is Ethan A and Sophie B that remain, or sorry, Sophie A and Ethan B that remain in the bodies in the, in the actual um, psyche, not the, uh, not the ones who escaped in the dream world. They're, they're the ones who left the brain and in are our, in our dead, as, as it were. Oh, <laughs> oh I, th- I see what you mean. I think that that's right.
0: So they are uh, living in the, um, in the computer, out of body experience <laughs> of the. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. With the bacon and everything. Yeah. She got her bacon back. And, and I, I think that's and right. And I like
2: that version a little because it seems a little more ethical than the other way around where (laughs) where you're rewinding ethan to a slightly previous state and sophie kind of gets to stay the same whereas the other version is you have a cynical ethan with a sophie that he that is is just as cynical and angry too and isn't really like sophie at all and so i think that version, you know, right. yeah, yeah, it's less uh, yeah. murderous than the other way around. Yeah.
1: No, I think that's true. It, it does, it does mean that at some point we have to have a completely different episode where I explain how you make the bodies in in another version of this. But I do like your version, Dan, <laughs> and, and I do like solving my problem
0: yeah. of not having to make bodies. Yeah, it's very clean. It's very clean. Let's say that. Um Well, you know, after solving that big problem, uh, I recommend if you haven't seen this movie, go see it. If we haven't ruined it for you, I think we've only made it better with this conversation. Um, but if we missed anything, here's a perfect section for it: our errors, additions, and omission section. Things we want to talk about, but we didn't quite get to. Denon, did you have anything on the one I love that we didn't quite get to? Well,
1: you know, I just I found the whole um, just that end scene where Ethan A is looking at the two Sophies, right, a- and just their distinct faces. You know, a la your your you know your background. Yeah. Just an incredible movie moment for me, right? Um, and and I think it has even deeper meaning in in your interpretation of this as a as a dream test. So that's just gone up multiple notches. I do have to share. You know, watched it um, with some of my family around, and I'm you know my daughter's comment. Um, Kind of makes sense and is now consistent added evidence for the dream world. I can't believe I missed this. My daughter goes, who would ever have two of the exact same outfits? That is not happening. Um, (laughs) And so that piece alone, Dan, Uh I'm like – You've got it. You nailed it. Because you solved the deepest mystery in this movie is why would the woman have two
0: exact outfits? Right. Well, that's the f- number one. Uh, the smell of bacon disappearing is clearly number two as far as improbable uh, explanations need that we need. Uh, but Ben, is there anything from this movie that we didn't that we didn't quite cover that you wanted to talk about?
2: Well, I think a number three for why would this be real is why was this computer with all the evidence of the retraining? Um, in the house that the these visit that the you know the couple can access and figure out what's going on, I think that's further evidence that this is kind of in their head because they're able to access it um, kind of more readily.
0: Well, and so easily, it's just sitting in one of the other houses called the coop. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> just walk in and just <laughs> punch it up on a, on a computer. That is a little odd. Uh, I do have uh, an omit. Well, not an omission, but a correction. We rarely use the word correction in this section. But in our previous episode, I referenced Dark Mirror. Uh, Dark Mirror does, isn't actually a television show. It's called Black Mirror. Um, I do love that show. Wanted to make that quick correction. And also, there's a really funny scene in this movie where Ethan hits a stopwatch after they agree to only spend 15 minutes in the house. Uh, and, you know, she... And, and Sophie A ends up spending, I think, 20, 25 minutes in there. I found that very funny, but also, the, you know, for behind the scenes, for people listening, we use a lot of stopwatch work here, and I just found that to be very funny, <laughs> uh, to have an analog stopwatch. I love that part. Uh, but if there's anything that we missed, you know, we're really easy to get a hold of. You can find the show on social media. We're on Twitter, at pod. We're on Facebook, at FGGGBT. But now we've got an email address, so if you have questions, comments, general correspondence, or if there's a topic that you want us to dissect and really analyze and give you the real deal on, you can find us at questions at FGGGBT.com. And if your email is picked, we're going to feature it on a future show. But of course, you can get in touch with us individually. Denon, where can people find you? Well, people
1: can find me on Twitter and Instagram. Just flip my name. That's at Denon Michael. Uh, if you're looking for me on Facebook, you need to stick a prof in there. It's at Prof Denon Michael.
2: And Ben, where can people find you? You can find me on all the major social media networks at bsipser. How do you spell that? B-S-I-E-P-S-E-R. And I can be
0: found on Twitter at Daniel J. Glenn, on Instagram at the Daniel J Glenn, and on Facebook at Analytical Mastermind. So subscribe to us at your favorite
1: podcast platform. And while you're there, take that time to rate and review.
2: And if you're watching us on YouTube, uh, please subscribe and leave us a like. And if you have questions or want to give us suggestions, hit that comment section down below. And if, you, if you're if you
0: not watching the YouTube section, you're not going to see this picture that's behind me that Denon keeps referring. So that if that's not incentive to come watch us on YouTube, I don't know what it is. I don't know what is, and that's youtube.com backslash Daniel J. Glenn. And finally, if you are watching this, you have to remember that this show contains powerful scientific information that could be misused by people hell-bent on world domination. Remember, you want to be a superhero. Not a super villain. So until next time, thank you for listening. Fascinating Gadgets, Gizmos, and Gear-Based Technologies is a Glencoe production and is produced by me, Daniel J. Glenn. The Fascinating Gadgets, Gizmos, and Gear-Based Technologies introduction was produced by Daniel J. Glenn and Paul Springers with music and sound design written and performed by Paul Springers. Now, of course, if you're listening to this episode and you've gotten this far, you're going to want to subscribe. Well, how do you do that? You can find the link at the top of the page for everything we've got, and you'll notice that we've got both a YouTube version and an audio-only version. Depending on what you like, we got it for you. And if you do like those videos, you can go ahead and subscribe to those as well. We're on YouTube.com backslash Daniel J. Glenn. And once again, if you like this show, you're going to like everything that I do. Go to DanielJGlenn.com to find out more. Thank you for listening.